Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest news in mixed martial arts. Lots to discuss, of course, news, drama, all kinds of stuff like that. We have an interview with Marlon Marias, former WSOF Bantamweight champ, former UFC Bantamweight contender, and now a PFL featherweight. He's got a big fight coming up against Brendan Lochnane to start the season off for PFL in 2023. Everything from Jan and Davalashvili's fight night card. We'll talk about that. Bellator 292 and power. No, I'm just kidding. Man, we ain't talking about no power slap. All right, folks, we'll be right back. goes i really don't plan on talking about power slap but i gotta say this i looked at the results and like four matchups ended with just the first guy slapping the other guy and knocking him out so the other guy he lost his power slap matchup but really he lost the coin flip that's that started it at all Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know why you don't want to talk about power slap it's your fault that it's not doing well because you don't want to talk about it your fault <laughs> is that what dana white said yeah he's saying the media it's their fault that that we're all out to get them that's why like come on man like exactly what he just said right there like come on on first on your first hit four guys it just came down to the coin flip like this is silly i watched four of the eight episodes i think they had you know the um of the reality show i guess and so I, I gave it an honest effort, and, and I, I went in there with the attitude of, let me check this out, but I'm also not going to lie and say I wasn't giggling, I wasn't laughing. Look, I was the, the knockouts also make me go, wow, damn, homeboy got rocked, you know, like all that stuff, right? It, it makes me do that, um, but I just don't think you need to carve out a whole sport and a whole reality show. I think that's just something you, you know, in the break room on Monday – when you're filling up your water at the at, what do they call it the water cooler talk, you just go, hey, check this out. You know, you pull out your phone and someone gets slapped, and then you just go, oh man, I hate to be that guy, and then you go back to work. Season That's season about it. Um, but I, I I was just curious and I wanted to look, and sure enough, you know, Darius the Destroyer is three and zero against the other coach, mm-hmm. so the other coach has never beaten him, but the other coach got the first whack, and then boom, I'll go. Darius the Destroyer, like he he had no, he couldn't even defend his own honor. You know, like I, I, that's the I don't know, man. It's season two is coming from Abu Dhabi. Is that what they said? Yeah, he's gonna go to Abu Dhabi and do season two. He's gonna bring all the best. See, because this one, George, this this season, he got all the best ones in America. Mm -hmm. You know, even the ones that said, "What am I doing again?" He got those two. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to get the ones from Poland, Germany, and then they're going to fight the winners of season one. He must have found them at the Power Slap Combine. Mm-hmm. Neck Where's resistance, the- speed of hand. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, you know, I think it should have been on TBS. That's where I caught Power Slap, you know, during the year. I don't understand why I have to go to Rumble and download yet another app. I just don't get it. I looked and see what was on TBS. What did I call it? Goes my crazy, my crazy Asian wedding or some of that. That was on. I think it's Crazy Rich Asians, right? Yeah, I think. yeah, and some other bullshit. Nothing that needed to be that couldn't have been preempted. Mm-hmm. All right, we already wasted three minutes on Power Slap. It happened. It's over. Done. Okay. On that same night, he, uh, Peter Yan, Piotr Yan, and 
Mirab Devalishvili, they fought in the main event in what was a, a fight that shocked me. I can't believe what has happened to Peter Yan, Piotr Yan. Piotr Yan has lost four of five fights. And this is a guy who I used to pick against all the time until I finally said, enough, because he was beating everybody. And I said, what am I missing here, right? And then I caught on to a few of his great matchups that he had, uh, including him winning the world title. And uh, ever since he threw that knee, he hasn't been the same. Now, Marab Devalishvili, he's good. He's really good. But I just thought, mm, if you can get him down, can you keep him down? If you can get him down, you know. And once you guys start throwing hands, how are you going to do? Because Peter Young's got some nice hands. Man, Marab Devalishvili, he shut all that down. This dude looked good. He just threw the kitchen sink at him when he came to the cardio department. And guess what? He had more you, more things he could have thrown. He could have thrown more plates, knives, forks, whatever. He He was amazing. I think it's um, it's not so much a question of like, what do we do with Peter Yan? How do we rebuild them? I feel like Davalishvili would have beat just about anyone that night. You know, he looked that good. He just looked really, really good. And what and that's why that we always talk about this division because there's so many killers in it, right? Um, it's a shame that we're probably never gonna see. Devalishvili and Aljamain Sterling, but at the same time, I think we're a little ahead of ourselves in that talk. So I would say with Piotr Jan, yes, he can make adjustments, but at the same time, I wouldn't hold my head too low because that was just a great master performance from Devalishvili. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really was. For five rounds to do the same thing over and over, takedown attempt after takedown attempt, and successful finishing of the takedowns. His striking wasn't bad, and it was just nonstop. And here's the weird thing. Piotr Jan was the one that was... Um, hang on a second. Piotr Jan was the one that was actually registering leg kicks, right, to his calf. He had like three or four that I know Marab did not like, and I go, uh-oh, that might be a problem. Anyway, as the fight's unfolding, Marab hit... Jan with one kind of in the shin area and that one hurt Jan. I could tell Jan didn't like that one and the one that came after it and sometimes it's all about the quality versus the quantity because Jan had thrown more but Marabs seem to have really really affected Jan. So Jan is a uh, right-handed fighter and when he got kicked in the left leg he had to switch because he didn't want to expose that left leg anymore. He had to switch to a southpaw. Now, again, I think Jan's pretty good. He can strike with pretty much both legs, but he's more comfortable in the other stance. Uh, you know, also he threw some body punches that Marab just, they didn't seem to stop him. This dude was just fierce. And, you know, I was listening to some commentary where somebody said, you know, I hate to point fingers. But I swear, I feel like I'm watching somebody on EPO. Now, it was a joke. The guy was not accusing Marab really of abusing uh, PEDs. But it's funny because I've, I think I've said in the past, I think that Marab really could go five rounds, five minutes, or a total of 25 minutes on Mount Everest. This guy just does not get tired. And the pace he puts on is maybe one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in mixed martial arts. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of Clay Guida back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's weird. I, I don't understand how he does it. His striking was pretty good in the fight, but I think we have to keep things real. And that's, he went to his wrestling early. And that's what opened up his striking. That's what made it better. Yeah. Um, you know, no, I can't tell. I can't tell people what we heard behind the scenes, but... Um, that's up to their camp to do it, but still everything just lean more towards Peter Yawn being the guy here. You know, this is the guy that, um, also carries something else with him, Davalishvili. And that's the fact that his best friend, his teammate is the world champion. So he's kind of reached the apex of what he can do. 
And now he has options, I guess, except they're not the primary options. He wants to be a world champ, but he's being very respectful of Aljamain Sterling's stance, right? Of where he is. Now, Sterling has said, hey, I don't know how many more times I can make 135. And if you look at Sterling, he's a big boy. The other day, he took a picture next to Conor McGregor, and they were almost the same height, just Conor was thicker. Um, and Davalashvili is teased that he might be able to go to flyweight. But for right now, things seem to be working. There's respect. They're not going to fight each other. Although Dana White did say, hey, you guys may want to rethink this because this is the fight. This is the fight, you know. But Dana White, what he means is should Aljamain Sterling get past Cejudo, then he would need to, um, he would need to match them up. I mean, of course, there's the option of if Cejudo wins, would Sterling get an immediate rematch? I don't know. Sterling's never really been a, a fan favorite, or not a fan favorite, a UFC favorite. So I could see them easily bypassing Sterling. But if it's a classic, sometimes, eesh, you know, a classic warrants an, an immediate rematch, regardless if you've been one of their favorites or not. So, so many things can happen, injuries, stuff like that. And... um but this is a tough one. This one is really a, a tough situation. I think one of the two needs to make uh, a move. And frankly, I think Devalish really, if he can make 125, that's where he needs to go. Because he's manhandling 135ers. And I imagine he would probably do the same with 125ers. I mean, 125ers are probably going to be a little bit more cat-like quick. But if he doesn't lose too much of his power, just just his pace alone is like this amazing weapon. I mean, it was non-stop action. And, it, it, it you know, it's like you being out in the ocean and – the current keeps bringing you back, but yet you also are just getting hit by wave after wave. And so at first you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to hold my breath and go under the wave and then pop out. Right. But let's say the next wave is almost immediate. What are you going to do? It's just going to keep coming and coming. And so you have to make some sort of an adjustment. And by the way, if you want to know what you're supposed to do is you're not supposed to, go back towards the shore, um, you're supposed to swim along the shore and slowly get out of that particular current. Um, and you want to swim kind of in a diagonal. Uh, that will help get you out. But anyway, little GG tip there. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I just think you know, this is I'm somebody who picked Peter Yan. I, I thought they have the smaller cage. If they get Yan down, he can get back to one of the posts, right, and get up quickly. Yan's got this move, especially when he kicks, where when you grab his leg, he kind of turns and pulls his leg out real fast. Um, it's effective, but it, it doesn't always work. And plus, you use a lot of energy. Now, Yan has usually better cardio than most. But it didn't work on Saturday because even though he was still, I wouldn't say fresh as a daisy, he was doing well in the later rounds. The other guy was just sprinting the whole time. Devalishvili was just, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know what else to say other than congrats to Marab Devalishvili, who was a three to one. No, sorry. Uh, about a two to one underdog and now he's got a decision to make i hope he goes to flyweight because aljo's got business still ahead of him at at at, at bantamweight against henry cejudo henry cejudo has suggested that marab devalish really be the backup fighter hey you know what that might not be a bad idea but you know devalish really and they're going to train together regardless. So if he's the backup fighter and he wants to go in there and get an easy payday, okay, I, I don't see any reason why uh, Aljamain Sterling won't fight. I mean, this guy's fought with torn biceps. So I have a feeling no matter what, he will show up to the fight. 
but it's not a bad idea as insurance to the main event. Now, remember, if that scenario were to play out, unless it was something like Yuri Prochaska, something that serious, which I don't think it would be, all that next stuff seems to be in the past, it's the bicep, then more than likely this would just be maybe for an interim title at the most. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Cejudo suggesting that that Davalos really be the backup wasn't the craziest thing I ever I ever heard. But he he actually thinks maybe he's just getting in in um, Sterling's head or something. But he's actually suggesting like Sterling might you know pull out of the fight or whatever. Uh, and and I, I'm becoming a fan of Cejudo's YouTube channel. I don't know if you've caught it goes, but he's kind of doing some really good breakdowns. He has some intelligent talk there. You know, you can get past a little bit past the cringe, which he does less of. He actually says some pretty smart things uh, in regards to either his career or other people's big fights. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of uh, Chael Sonnen and the way Chael Sonnen approaches things. Like, if you just know when to separate the character and the fighter, you'll have a great time listening to him and, and all his breakdowns and all that. But I think some people just hang on to that cringe so much that they tend to hate everything the guy says. I think he's really intelligent. I mean, you got to be to be able to accomplish what he's accomplished in uh, in combat sports. Like, you have to know what you're, you're doing. I'm actually appreciating his breakdowns a little bit more than when Dominic Cruz gives you all this technical talk. I feel like I get lost in the ocean of what Dominic Cruz is trying to say. I think Henry dumbs it down a little bit more and, and makes me understand it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, he's, and, and the way he talks to you, too, is like... A, Everyday guy, the way he speaks. Mm-hmm. Congrats to Marab Davalashvili. We'll see what's next for him. Again, Dana's really hinting that he should fight Aljamain Sterling, but again, you know, Sterling has Sahudo ahead of him. That's that. And we move on. Uh, Alexander Volkov defeated Alexander Romanov. Volkov grabbed the fence and it helped him when Romanov was trying to get him down. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this when we talk about Rafael Asuncao. This one was a little bit more of a minor grab. I don't even know that he got a warning, honestly, or much of a warning if it was stern. And by the time they just continued fighting, Volkov lit up Romanov, you know, and that was it, basically. KO punches from back control. Romanov was kind of uh, turtled up, and that was it. There was one particular nice punch that snuck in there. Um, right under the armpit, right under the armpit. Yeah, correct. That 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 really seemed to do him in. So, congrats to Alexander Volkov. At first, I thought he could get smothered, but he managed to uh, thwart that. So, that was the key. It was, and I hate this. I hate it when I hear it was a classic striker versus grappler. I mean, most of these fucking things are. You know, I don't even know that it's the classic anymore. Like most of these matchups are just that. Like one guy's a little bit better at striking. And one guy's a little bit better at grappling, and that's that. But we keep it's, hearing, it's oh, different, huh? It's different than what 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 that meant back in the day mm-hmm. was one guy only knew one thing, right? And that was it. That's different. When we say it today, we just mean one guy is a, you know, I'll probably a lot better than the other guy yeah. in that department. But it yeah. doesn't mean he's a fish out of water the way it used to, right? Exactly. Um. But I, I can't say enough about Volkov. You know, he could have very easily been written off because a few fights haven't gone his way in the last few years. Cyril gone, Aspinall, and now he's bounced back with two in a row. Jarzinho Rosenstruck and uh, Alexander Romanov. So good on him. Shout out to Kenny Johnson, who I saw in his corner. And I know Volkov works with him in L.A., uh, he must be really, really putting in the work because anytime Kenny Johnson's worked with with uh, any of these fighters, you see the improvement. I saw it a little bit with Paul Daly as well, and there was a few times it saved Paul Daly's ass, and Paul Daly just became even more dangerous because he could get back to the feet and light you up. But uh, we continue here with the fight night. This was an early affair at the Virgin uh, well, the theater at Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas. So basically, formerly the, um, the Hard Rock Hotel. And Nikita Krylov submitted Ryan Spann. 
this fight, I kept telling everyone, just take the under. And I'm telling you, these two went at it, man. They put on an incredible play, uh, pace. And Nikita Kryoff triangle choked Ryan Spann. But not before Ryan Spann was trying to submit Nikita Kryloff. I mean, these guys really, really went at it. They really entertained me. Uh, I love that fight. It's a weird fight to call. And I was completely wrong on this one. I thought Spawn was going to win. Um, but you praise these guys for their intensity and their aggression. Uh, it's probably exactly what Dana White wants, right? But I do think Spawn's aggression probably put him in some bad spots, too. So it's like if they do the reverse and they play it safe, maybe try and get that W. Well, then the boss doesn't like what you do. So it's it's tough, man, being a mixed martial artist. But uh, it's fun to watch. It's great as a fan. But I'm sure looking back on it, they, they probably went, whoa, we got a little too too crazy here at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a fight that was going to happen two weeks ago and Krylov fell ill. So they weighed in at 215. They didn't make these guys come all the way back down to 205. And... Uh, it worked out for Krylov. You know, hopefully Span got paid for at least his show money a few weeks ago and then got paid his show money here. So at least the money part's situated. But I mean, who also doesn't want the win to go with it? And Span's coming off the wins over Jan Kutalaba and Dominic Reyes in 2022. He had a really, really good year. That last win over Reyes wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like in November. And so I thought, man, this is really, really something he can build on. So I was a little bummed out, you know. I like Ryan Spann's swag a little bit. You know, when he does his press conferences, he just seems to kind of like, all right, let's go. Let's bring it. Bring it. Come on. Let's go. We're going to get down to it. The nitty-gritty, you know. Yeah. Um, but Krylov's, Krylov's the winner. He gets all the spoils here. Um, we continue on here in the card. This is the main card of UFC Fight Night. Jan versus Dvalashvili. Mar- Jonathan Martinez defeated Saeed Nurmagomedov. It's not too often that a Nermaga Madoff loses. And it's not too often that a Nermaga Madoff slows down. I dare I say even gas. I don't even want to say a Nermaga Madoff gas because I don't want a whole region of Russia coming after my ass. But now these guys are known for just having endless cardio, you know, uh, the ability to push a pace. And Saeed Nurmagomedov won that first round, but after that, you could see him slowing down, and Martinez got it together and won the last two rounds. Big, big win for Jonathan Martinez. Yeah, huge win for that kid. I like him, man. I like I like that now uh, uh, his bravado, or I don't know how to say it, is starting to catch up a little bit with his skills. Like He's a little bit more aggressive now in things he says. I, I like that kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Mario Batista submitted Guido Canetti, Vitor Petrino, uh, decisioned Anton Turkle, Turkle J, Turkleish, something like that. Uh, by the way, those guys got fight of the night. Carl Williams, he decisioned Lucas Bresky. I think we were calling him Wayne Gretzky uh, at the sports book. Mm-hmm. Davy Grant. I'm borrowing that one from Dantown. Davy Grant. <laughs> he sounds like Neil. Liam Nielsen or one of those guys when he says it. He defeated Rafael Asuncao. I did not like the way this fight ended, and I'm going to explain. And then you can tell me if I'm being a hater or not. All right, so full discrepancy. Asuncao has moved to uh, Extreme Couture for his last few camps. Not to Las Vegas, just Extreme Couture. Said he loves it. Said he would even move here if he was five years younger. I guess no sense in moving here now because he's now a retired fighter. I think that's what he meant, right? But... um. Asuncao is a WEC OG. He's come to our studio. He's very friendly. And so I guess I openly kind of root for him. Plus, he made me a lot of money in his last fight. His last fight, he was like plus 400. I said, give me that guy. And in this fight, he was up 10-9, 10-9. I looked at the judges' scorecards. Now, one judge had it 10-9, 9-10, to be fair. But two of them had it all locked up for Asuncao. Now, we're in the third round, okay, of a round that Davy Grant had been winning. But now Asuncao had secured a couple takedowns. And more specifically, the last takedown that he had taken, that he had gotten Davy Grant, it looked like Davy Grant was starting to, like, like wilt, you know, like break. And it looked like Asuncao, who was recovering, by the way, from some strikes, was going to be able to ride his way to glory. But more importantly, even if he lost that round, 
he was going to at least survive. And if he survived, knowing that the other judges had him 10-9, 10-9, he was going to win a split decision. Even if he lost round three, the judge that had it 1-1, okay, he gives that one to Davy Grant. And a Sun Cell takes a nine on round three, but he still wins the fight. And here's what happened. Keith Peterson, who had already told Davy Grant, stop holding the fence. He swiped at his arm. This time, he actually stopped the action. He stood them up, stopped the action, and then paraded Grant to all three judges, taking away a point. But what did he do? He restarted them in the middle of the ring. And the other guy just came in with a flurry of kicks, a spinning back fist, punches, and uh, one of them did hurt a Sun Sal. And on the ground, a Sun Sal, again, while doing the smart thing, trying to grab a leg and recover, he got caught in an inverted triangle, which was a thing of beauty, by the way. Now, I can't prove that with one minute left, that just because a Sun Sal was on top and Davy Grant was wilting or breaking or whatever, that Davy Grant doesn't somehow... Um, either get stood up from non-activity or sweep him or get up on his own. I, I, I don't know. Maybe all that does happen. But I guess what I really want to focus on goes is Peterson's decision to stop them and then stand them. Because in my opinion, at that point, if Peterson would have said, freeze, everybody, right? And then he said, hey, a sun's out. Uh, I'm going to take away a point, but I'm going to stand you guys up. Or we could just forget about that point, and I will leave you where you are. I bet you a Sun Sal or his coaches or whoever wanted to respond on, on behalf of a Sun Sal would have said, oh, we're cool where we're at. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't like that sequence and the way that was the way that all turned out. Well, mixed martial arts is built off of a lot of boxing rules, right? So it, in boxing, it's very easy to just grab the fighter by the by the wrist, parade them in front of the judges, and go, hey, everybody, minus one point this guy. That doesn't necessarily transfer over to, to mixed martial arts. Like, I don't even think it's necessary to pull him up, bring him to the center of the cage, and do all that. I think what, what a referee would need to do is just say, hey, dog, I'm taking a point away from you. Hang tight, you two. I'll be right back. Go to each judge and say, hey, I just took a point off of this guy. And that's it. Like, I don't know why they go through that boxing tradition of having to lift the guy up, bring him over, and go through all that. It's just kind of silly, and you're right. I think it had a major implication on that fight. Uh, Rafael Asunza is a very smart fighter. Davy Grant was tiring. I think he would have kept that position. He would have wrote it out and got a decision. Yeah. It's kind of how I see it as well. And... You know, I immediately tweeted at Big John McCarthy kind of to see if he would maybe respond. Now, he was busy the night before out in San Jose, so he he may have been traveling or just recovering from a big night of fights, Bellator 294. Um, and I haven't tuned into his show, Weighing In, which is also a, a really, really nice show. But um, I wanted to see what he had to say about this because I really like Keith Peterson. And maybe Keith was just following his job, and that's the rule. Hey, you get one or the other, and this one takes precedence because, um, you know, the point or whatever. I don't know. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I wasn't able to get a hold of him to get an answer on this. But I, I, I just know that whatever the correct answer is, I still feel that the more favorable position for the one that was fouled was for him to stay on top. I guarantee you he would have taken that. And with open scoring, holy cow, of course they would have because they didn't need that extra point. Davey Grant didn't, you know, Rafael uh, Asuncao wasn't really going to benefit from that extra point. There wasn't even a 10-8 a in progress or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sucks that it worked out that way. Yep. And so then if you figure Asuncao has been fighting for 19 years, man, for, in, in the WEC and UFC for at least 15 of that. And you got to believe that he's probably on his fourth or fifth contract. He's 40 years old. How is he not making at least 100 and 100? He, that, that, that sequence cost him possibly 100000 But he doesn't know it because he went to sleep. He's just waking up, and he's probably thinking, oh, man, I got caught and, you know, whatever. 
But I bet you he's got to be fuming when he looks at it. Either that or maybe he was going to retire anyway. I don't know. He told us at the gym, we'll see. Because, you know, if you win and Sean Shelby goes, hey, 150-150 or, you know, you want another one or whatever, you might go for it, you know. Maybe you go one fight at a time. Who knows? But um, instead, he takes off his gloves and retires. And that was it. And I just felt so terrible for him. Yeah, I was just about to say like that that might have even cost him his career because you're right. There could have been another payday waiting, right? So yeah. that sucks for him, man. I, I hope we do get a little bit more clarification on that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Josh Frem defeated Cedricus Dumas. Victor Henry defeated Tony Gravely. Ariane Lipsky defeated J.J. Aldrich. Bruno Silva defeated Tyson Nam. Carlston Harris defeated... Jaron Gooden. The bonuses went to Petrino and Anton, 50000 each for fight of the night. Performance of the night, 50000 to Davy Grant and 50000 to Bruno Silva. Hell, if you look at it the other way, Grant was on his way to losing. There's no way he would have got a performance bonus then. So not only did he get his win, or sorry, his show, he got the win and the 50000 Like, oh, man, I'm telling goes, listen, if I was a billionaire, you know how that one dude bought a house in Hollywood Hills? Mm-hmm. I would I would tell you or whoever's managing my career at that point, Dave Manley, my financials, I'd go, hey, before we buy the Hollywood Hills mansion, wire a sunsal his hundred grand for that win bonus. That's how bad I felt over. I wish I had the money to go here, you know. But that that's how bad I felt at that time. I'd say, let's do that first, and then Hollywood Hills or whatever. I don't know if you heard, but the guy that won the Powerball for two billion just spent like twenty five million on a Hollywood Hills mansion. God bless yeah. him, Edwin Castro's. I think is his name. I've thought about that a lot, and the amount of damage that you could do is way more than I think what people realize. Like that's a drop in the bucket for what what he ended up uh, taking home. Uh, I know 25 million sounds like a lot and 25 million will buy you a lot, but it's a drop in the bucket of everything that he has right now. Yeah, because that 2 billion, let's just say half of it is gone. And he took the early payment and the taxes. So he's worth 1 billion and he just spent 25 mil on a house. Well, that would be like being worth. What? <laughs> oh man, a commercial just played. Sorry, Did, you didn't hear that. Uh-uh. When I go, hey, oh, now I hear like so, some kids go, ready, break. I thought you almost did like the old tag radio days when you would play a soundbite, kind of like I was up to something. So, ready, break. Like we just got out of a huddle. Oh, but one billion. Let's see here. This, I'm curious about this. Sorry, that's one million. So, one billion is with nine zeros. And he bought a house worth $25 billion, 25 million, sorry. So that's with six zeros. So if I eliminate this zero, it's like he it's like he is worth a hundred million and bought a house for two point five million. Or it's like he's worth ten million and bought a house for two hundred and fifty thousand. If I had a house, if I had ten million, I could buy a house for two hundred fifty thousand. So yeah, it is a drop in the bucket for him. It's nothing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, man. Sorry, Sunsau. I'm not a billionaire, so I can't do anything about it. But I don't know why that bugged me so much. I, it's nothing against Davy Grant. E- even if Davy Grant were to go, hey, I knew what I was doing. Because remember, you said it before, goes. What if Husamal Praharis had gotten? Uh, hold on a second. What if Husamar Paharis? How about now? That's uh, for me. Oh, what if Husamar Paharis had gotten a hold of one of your legs, but you knew that if you could kind of maybe kick him in the face, not hard enough that he can't continue, so he's not knocked out, but hard enough where he has to recover, and then he goes, okay, I can continue, but then they stood you back up. Guess what? Husamar Paharis doesn't have a hold of your leg anymore, and now you have, you might have a chance to knock him out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've often said like back in the day when they uh if they put you in that situation, it's almost worth trying to do the the penalty just to get out of it. If you're about to tap, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. 
Um, I don't know what more there is to say about that card. Again, Davalashvili has a big decision to make, and we'll see what he decides to do. Uh, I, I think he really, if he can make that weight, go down to 125. Let your let your partner rule as long as he can, and 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 make sure you know that Aljo tells you, "Hey, the minute I lose, it's all you, dog." Because what mm-hmm. if Aljo goes, "I can't take that loss," uh, you know, the, the taste in my mouth. I got to get it back, and he sticks around, and then he wins again. Holy cow! It'll never end. So I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal right now. Like, okay, seriously, you got to wait and see what happens with Cejudo, right? You got to yeah. wait for that. Um, O'Malley, John O'Malley's just chilling. Like a lot can happen between now and then. What they probably will do is freeze him out a little bit. Like if he wants to be active, like you said, he probably won't be active. He'll probably have to sit on the sidelines a little bit. But you're right; he has to have that conversation with Alja. Mm. I, I what I would have done this whole time <clears throat> when he got asked that question, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. That's it. But all, yeah. but but sticking to his gun so early like that put him on Dana White's shit list. It does appear that way, and Aljo's not one of Dana White's favorites either. So just being friends with Aljo means Sterling already has you behind the eight ball. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's got Matt Sarah though. Matt Sarah's good friends with Dana, so this is true. Maybe, maybe cooler heads prevail. This is true. All right, the night before at Bellator two ninety two. We had uh, a pretty interesting card. Things started off with, let's talk about the prelims. Names you might recognize. Diags defeated Julius Anglicas. I don't know if you guys remember these guys from uh, the the Bellator Grand Prix that they had for the light heavyweight division. They were there. Josh Hill defeated Cass Bell. I know you've heard of Josh Hill before. And Enrique Barzola defeated Goyito, Eric Perez. So Peru evens the score for Alexa Grasso defeating Valentina Shoshenko. Now we get to the main card on Showtime. Michael Page defeated Goiti Yamaguchi. Michael Page, in the first 26 seconds of that matchup, he kicked Goiti Yamaguchi kind of like he used his right leg to kick Yamaguchi's right leg. So he went across. And when he kicked it, he kind of kicked on the inside part where the shin would be, except up by the kneecap. Well, he did it so good that he pushed the kneecap out, and this guy has a uh, torn patellar tendon, which I had, by the way. You can ask goes. My kneecap was up in my thigh as well, and that's why he couldn't continue, and that's going to be a long rehab for poor Goiti Yamaguchi. We feel for him. I feel for him. But I had never thought that you could kick somebody's uh, kneecap out like that goes, and, and much less in a in a fight like this. Well, if anybody's going to do it, it's Michael Venom Page, right? Like, that dude's just all about destruction. I mean, he has two of the most brutal things I've ever seen in mixed martial arts have come from that guy. And um, that that was nasty, dude. It just looked like it caved in, went up. It was brutal, dude. For sure. Um, Unfortunately, uh, Yaroslav Amasov, the undisputed welterweight champ, probably has Jason Jackson ahead of him. So this guy can either turn to bare knuckle again or fight someone else. I mean, maybe Lorenz Larkin, because Lorenz Larkin, seen, you know, he says, I'm the black sheep, um, and he's gotten phased out. So maybe these two can fight, and the winner gets the winner of that matchup. Logan Storley's already out of the way. He was the interim champ. He just lost to Amosov. He got dominated. So I see him kind of being out of the way. To be fair, he's only lost to Amosov twice. Other than that, he's beaten everybody else. Um but yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know what he can do, but I, I, I seem to observe that um, Scott Coker really likes Michael Venom Page. I would think he would feature him even more, which is what we talked about with Michael Venom Page. Like, what the hell's happening here? Why, why isn't, aren't you fighting as often? He keeps saying that what he keeps hearing is that they're, they're full, you know. But I would try and feature this guy as much as I can. That's why that makes that fight like Lawrence Larkin. That's a good fight. Fans would be all over that fight. You could headline with a fight like that. But I do think they 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 like Michael Venom Page, and that's that's a very dangerous fight too. You know what else is dangerous? Being on the bottom of Linton Vassell's ground and pound. Holy Ooh. cow! 
And this Moldovsky guy was not bad, man. He had some really, really good moments in this fight where I thought he was going to finish Linton Vassell. But Linton Vassell composed himself. And I remember this guy used to be a light heavyweight champ, man. But this guy's all of 6'6", and now he's filled out to about 240 or so. But, geez, when he's on top, I mean, he pummels people. He jacked up Moldovsky, gets the win. Now he says he wants Ryan Bader, and guess what? I want to see it. Yeah. I mean, I go back and forth with this guy, man, but you can't you can't argue the fact that that was pretty brutal work, dude. That was really nice work. And, um, yeah, I mean, you want something different, right? So I, I could sign off on something like that. The big swarm in the house. He's beating Moldovsky, Tim Johnson, Terrell Fortune, Honey Marks, and Sergey Karantanov. So you got some veterans mixed in there along with some young cats. And, um, you know, he's lost the beta before. I get it. But, and to be fair, he's lost to Moldovsky before. So he's even with Moldovsky. But the beta loss was at light heavyweight. Now these guys would be me- meeting at heavyweight. Maybe it'll be a different tune. Who knows what? All right, the next two fights are the Bellator Grand Prix, but right now our guest is ready to go. So let's talk to Marlon Marias. He is going to be fighting on April 1st against Brendan Lochnane. They're the main event to the first card of the PFL regular season on ESPN, by the way. You got to check it out. Here comes Magic Man, Marlon Marias. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. Today we talk to Magic Marlon Marias, who headlines the first card of the PFL for their regular season. It's coming up on April 1st. That's not an April Fool's joke, and it's on ESPN. It's the main event, Marlon Marias versus Brendan Lockname. Welcome back, Marlon. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm I'm good. I'm excited for the season, and... Uh, I'm still, I feel like I'm in debit with some of my fans and this is, this is the mentality I'm coming for 2023 and I have so many people that support me that likes to, to see me performing and I want to get in there uh, starting from April 1st and show to all these guys what I still can do and I want to cement this season as one of two, even I don't know if I'm going to be the champion and end the season, but one thing I'm going to do for sure is give so many good fights for my fans. That's awesome. Well, we're your fans as well. We cover the sport. We're MMA media. We're objective most of the time. But honestly, once you sit down and you pour your beer, you know, and you got your sandwich and, and the fights start, we become fans. And you're an exciting fighter to watch. So is Brendan, to be fair. This is one hell of a main event. How much do you think about the fight every day, Marlon? Are you one of those that consumes themselves every day about the fight? Or do you just kind of put it in the back burner because you've accomplished so much and been in so many big fights? Man, if you if you are a fighter and you don't leave the fight, you shouldn't be fighting. You know, you have to have the passion to get home, watch your sparring, watch what you're doing every day. And you have to judge yourself, you know, and see like, man, Am, am I good enough to beat this guy? What can I do to beat him? What he does? And to, to find the, the, the openings on his game, you know, and watch the good fighters. I love to watch uh, some of the, the, the fighters. I, I love to watch Volkanovski. So I watch all all these these good fighters upcoming. And that, that's what we have to do, man. That's that's what I'm, I'm investing my time in. I'm investing my time and be a better fighter, and that's how I'm walking to April 1st, face a great fighter, an excited fighter, like you just said. We are both excited fighters, and the fans know uh, it's never it's never going to a, a fight of me or a fight of Brandon that you're going to get in there and you're going to stop to look at the fight, you're going to eat something, you know, you're going to talk with your friends. If you blink, you won't see the finish, and that's that's how I'm walking in April 1st. Who are your coaches? Who's your lead head coach now going into this fight? I train with Anderson. I've been with him since I was young. And for this camp and my last camp, I've been training with Pahumpa a lot. 
And first I moved to ATT. I never got to work with him, but Pahumpa is a good coach. I saw in my grappling, my last fight, I was able to, to, unfortunately, I didn't have him. I think if I had him on the fight, I could definitely uh, end that fight in a submission, especially for the time we spent on the ground. But, uh, man, unfortunately, he, he couldn't go. But, man, uh, now uh, I'm training with him. I'm having him daily. You know, I'm feeling different in my grappling, in my striking. And I'm, I'm very confident, man. I, I can't wait to, to fight again. And a lot of people are questioning, should he fight? What's he doing? And it's a, it's a tough fight. It's not a tough fight. But I never, I never had an easy fight since That's 2017. True. When I yeah. signed with the UFC, I faced my first fight, Rafael. Rafael was top seven in the world. Mm. And since that, I never faced an easy fight. To be honest with you, I have a lot of respect. But on the paper, uh, my last fight should be an easy one. But unfortunately, I got caught. But besides of that, all the fighters I fought was top five, top ten fighters in the world. And people are, are watching now and they see all of them, uh, Curtis and Hagen, um, Sadong Yodong, you know. And that's fights that you walk in and that's 50-50 to anyone in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just got a bad streak. I believe that the UFC didn't want to give me a, a, a opening. They didn't want to give me uh, like a, like Cody, Cody Gabriel got the last fight, you know. Uh, get back fight. I never got that get back fight. So it is what it is. Patient, you know, a lot of respect for them. They do what they have to do. I got so many guys denying to fight me in, in the UFC. And now I'm in a different promotion. I'm with, with different mindset. And I got the opportunity to face the champion. How I'm going to say no, how I'm going to run, you know, how I'm going to say I don't want to fight a tough guy. He's a tough guy. So am I. He can knock me out, but I do can knock him out as well. So that's how I'm walking out there. April 1st, you guys are going to see a great fight. Marlon, you brought up 2017 when you first came in, you know, and even though you referenced Sun Sao, who you lost to, but then later on also beat, that was an incredible run that you had, including having a win over the current UFC Bantamweight champion. What would you say is the major difference between that run you had then and the run that you had now is it age is it you should have zigged when you were supposed to zag like you said sometimes you get in there it's 50 50 it's a coin flip but is there anything that you can attribute uh the difference between the different runs that you've had it's just the timing you know i think um i'm a tough guy you know it's hard to make me say no to something and uh, looking back to my to my career, to the fights I had, I I should take a, a step back at some point, and I didn't. But I don't regret. You know, I did it. That's the way I did it. I paid for, and I cannot I cannot do anything. The only thing I can do is go to the to the gym, try to get better, and try to be a better fighter. When you look at a guy like Brendan, who's ahead of you. Um, do you see very many holes? Like, what, what do you think of him as a fighter? He's more on the younger side of a fighter, but uh, we've kind of seen him mature throughout our eyes and then capture that, that, that championship. What do you think of him as a fighter? I think he's a good fighter. He improved a lot. He had some tough fights in 2022. And by 2023, he came back stronger. He fixed some of his holes. And he's bringing... He brings a, a style that's very hard to, to touch him. But he he been facing uh, wrestlers, you know. he been facing uh, good wrestlers. And, and that's going to be the first time I believe he's going to face uh, a, a striker like me. Uh, Chris Wade is a good striker, but Chris Wade is a wrestler. Uh, Baba Jenkins is a good striker, but he's a wrestler. Um, Mavli is a wrestler. Um, his last uh, few guys that he fought, they're 
most wrestlers and I believe I have a unique style and I can shock the world April 1st. What were your thoughts when they presented that to you as him being your, your first opponent? I know that eventually, uh, I mean, I know that you said that, you know, let's do it, let's do it right now. But are you happy that that was the first fight? Yeah, I'm happy, you know. I cannot say I don't want a fight, but it's, it's I was thinking maybe face him later on. He's the champion, you know, but uh, why face him three fights from now or face him right now? You know, we're going to have to face one day. And like I tell my friends, uh, some of my friends, hey, I want to be in the UFC. I want to fight my way to the UFC, but I don't want to fight this guy. I want to I wanna cement the record. I want to be 10-0, then go to the UFC and face the tough guys. But man, one day you're going to have to face the tough guys and you're going to win, 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 and you're going to get to the UFC and you're going to lose. You have to see if you can beat that guy now, why are you going to wait, you know, to face this guy in the UFC? It's, it's just happened to a lot of people. They go to the UFC with a blank record and people think they are animals and then they see them fighting a guy like low level and they lose, you know. And why wait? Why wait? They pay me very well. Why I'm going to wait to get the fight just for the for the, the championship, you know? Just pay me. I'm going to fight anyone. Marlon, can we talk a little bit about motivation, right? When uh, when a fighter first starts, they, their motivation kind of changes throughout their career as to why they fight. You've been able to do a lot of things, like George said, even capture a belt before and, and face some of the greatest fighters on the, in the world, make money. But has your motivation changed at all at this point in your career? Is it different or does it feel the same? Man, changes a lot. At some point, you are motivated for the money and then you're motiva motivated for the gold. But right now, everything is going to be consequence. You know, I'm motivated for the win. I want to win. I want to get back to the good performances. You know, like I told you guys, I want to give to my fans the performance they, they are waiting. And that's, that's what motivates me today. Not the money, not the gold, nothing else. Just get in there, get the good, good fights, fight the best and win, you know, win and put in a good performances. And it all happens on ESPN. That's so cool, man, that the PFL, the first week they're on ESPN. It's the most viewed sports channel on the planet, and the matchup is outstanding. Like, one of the greatest champions in the history of WSOF, now PFL, against the current champion. It doesn't get any better than that. Me, personally, I'm glad they made this fight, to tell you the truth. I think it's one heck of a way to start the season. Yeah, man. That's what they want to do. They want to give to the fans what they want. You know, they have me facing Brandon. They have Thiago Santos facing the champion last season. They have Shani Burgos fighting the champion last season. And to be honest, I don't remember the other one. But that that's the ones I have in my mind. And I know they're all going to be great fights. And the fans are going to love it. I'm glad that earlier you referenced that you watched... I'm sure you watch your opponent, but you watch so much tape that you even watch your own practice back. I think those details is what makes the difference between the fighters that wind up winning titles at some point in the career and not winning titles. I think too many fighters, it's the sport's gotten a little bit easy for them because the money's a little bit better now starting out. Uh, and and uh, But but do, do you watch every single practice or just, just the full sparring? Like, Can you be a little more detailed on that? I watch sparring and sometimes pads works too. Mm. I was I was in sauna yesterday. Me, Renato Moicano, Masaranduba, Pezão, and Pezão uh, Pezão have weight from the UFC. You guys know mm -hmm. Marcos Rogério Pezão. Oh, okay. I know a lot of Pazans. I know Vinny Magalayesh is a Pazan, and I think Mar that means Bigfoot. Mar so I thought you even meant Bigfoot for a second. But no, I, I meant Marcos. Marcos, yeah. Marcos, Moicano, Masanduba, and someone. I think six or five guys. We were in the sauna, and we were discussing some of the guys that how good they are, and some guys that they they train like 
so so and then in the fight they perform they do great and then i was telling them these guys they train so so and they get in a fight and they perform they are tough guys but they will never be the best the best guys are the ones that training properly they watch themselves they do the good they the, they do as good as they do in training in the fight the tough guys they're gonna get to the top but they will never be the best always you have to make a blend you have to be a tough guy you have to be uh, uh, a hard guy to beat but you, you still have to be smart you have to watch yourself you have to to see the details you know and that's that's what i saw on frankie growing up you know and when i was uh, with frankie edgar and i see why he was so good because he was the smartest guy i ever seen fighting mm -hmm. yeah that's one heck of a mentor that you had back in the day last question your belt that you won and defended for many years um what does that mean to it i'm sure you still see it from time to time and just you probably get filled with some memories or emotions but what does that mean to you because that's something no one can ever take away from you man mean a lot you know uh to be honest when I, every time i look at the belt i remember about my mother because that belt when i won the belt i bought my mother a house and that's when i look at the belt i think about my mother that's beautiful that's great that's a perfect way to end the interview Thank you, Magic Marlon Marias, for giving us the time, not just today, but every single time you've had a fight. We've always caught up with you. I'm sure we'll see you in Vegas in a couple weeks. So I hope you have a safe uh, travel, safe weight cut, a hell of a training camp. And then on uh, April 1st, we already know it's going to be a banger of a fight. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much for your time. And I'll, I'll be in Vegas in two weeks. Thank you. All right. We'll see you then. All right. Well, he seems pretty pumped up about facing the, the champ in his first fight and i guess considering the hand he could have been delgos he's right man wade likes the res uh likes the resil um Bubba jenkins Bubba jenkins likes you know well i wouldn't say loves the wrestle but that that's definitely uh a strength of his so there's a lot of wrestler heavy fighters in the uh featherweight division and so to get someone like brendan Logney, that that's i think that's a a mouth-watering matchup for someone like marlon morris i love his quote at the end you know they pay him a lot so why not right pretty much yeah yeah he's uh definitely benefited from some good good paydays well deserved too and i don't get tired of pointing it out but he does have a champ oh sorry a win over the current bantamweight champ aljamain sterling now since yeah. that fight things didn't go too good but um you know that's that's still an, a, a great skin to have on your wall. Uh, the other guy I kept forgetting, I don't know if he's part of the season this year, is Lance Palmer and then Movlid Kabulayev, who I don't believe has ever lost. So he's back uh, this season. He sat out last season, but he's a beast too. So, yeah, Lochnane against Marlon Marias uh, is is solid. I'm, I'm totally into that. And I believe we're going to be catching up with Lochnane uh, before his fight. So be on the lookout for that. I already told Lochnane the day after, April 2nd, it's Newcastle against Manchester United goes, so he's down to catch that. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Legit. He's well aware of that, and he's really pumped up for the turnaround, as is Michael Venom Page. Those are two hardcore Manchester United fans. Um, I'm scared uh, of that game, though. I might have to eat a cricket. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Marlon Marias as well also has a win over Shaman Marias who was a former uh, featherweight champ, if I'm not mistaken. No, he lost him, didn't he? That's Shaman, who he did lost to. Shaman Marias. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking of someone else. Okay. Well, he beat Jose Aldo. He beat Jose Aldo, former UFC featherweight champ, and he beat um, uh, Aljamain Sterling, the current UFC bantamweight champ along with Rafaela Sunsound, John Dodson. But all I'm saying is poor Marlon Marias is taking a beating, kind of like like he ain't, you know, he ain't what he used to be, which is, I guess, you know, if you look at just the wins and losses, sure, that's an accurate statement. But Marias, he's, he, he was a beast, man, at one point. If he can recover 
you know, if he can bring some of that back into the fold, you know, I, I think he could do well. But yeah, I mean, he he is in a funk right now. He was competitive in that fight, man, until the until the finish. Yeah, this is true. Um, all right, so the uh, last two fights. Sorry, yeah, the last two fights of Bellator two ninety two. Let's go back to that. These two were going to be the opening bouts of the Bellator Lightweight Grand Prix. So the first matchup, we had Alexander Shabali versus Tofik Musayev. And these guys put on a pretty good show. It wasn't until round three when Alexander Shabali had a kick to the body that kind of hit him in the solar plexus. And um, that shut down Musayev. Now, the confusing part was Musayev had also postured like, hey, some of that kick caught a piece of me downstairs. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of threw everyone in the confusion. Now, if not for the production team doing an outstanding job of showing you what had happened, um, there would be a lot of confusion. But Jason Herzog appeared to have the right call. And that was him telling him, if you can't continue, I got to call this because I'm not calling the other one, the other foul. What caused this for, for you to bend over was that shot to the solar plexus. Yeah. And I mean, it, you're not, Video don't lie, right? So, I mean, good call, good good situation. Yeah. So, Alexander Shabali moves on, and he's the first semifinalist in the Bellator Lightweight Grand Prix. The other quarterfinal was Usman Nurmagomedov, the champion, defending against Benson Henderson, the former WEC and UFC champion. Eh, I wish I could say this one was compelling or... Had its moments, but it didn't. Usman Nurmagomedov pretty much steamrolled past Benson Henderson. 39 years of age, 40 years, somewhere around there. And uh, he submitted him. So congrats to Usman Nurmagomedov. That's a title defense, and he advances in the Bellator lightweight Grand Prix. Very respectful of Benson Henderson. Benson Henderson immediately, just like Rafael Sunsal the next day, laid down the gloves, retired. That's two WEC OGs and back-to-back nights goes. Yeah, Benson before this fight had somewhat of a plan that he was going to hang it up anyway, but um, I think the way this went down just kind of fast-forwarded at that. And and it's weird, right? Because Usman's such a good fighter, he would do that to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But it just so happens he did it to to Benson Henderson. And I think that's Benson Henderson is like, if he can't compete at the highest level, then what's the point, right? He's probably mm-hmm. made some great paychecks. I know he has him and Demetrius Johnson have the record for uh, doing an interview with us and saying, hold on, let me go to another room. And I swear to God, this guy walked forever in that house, whatever house he lives in. <laughs> yeah, he must have got that that mansion in L.A. or whatever, because he walked forever before he got to that other room. So I'm, I'm sure he's well off. He's accomplished a lot in the sport. And I, I'm happy, you know. I think he's still a good fighter and could still fight, but what for, right? Like, what well, you know, after a while, um, when people talk about the greatest of all time and all that in his division, those things do come into play. So I'm, I'm kind of happy that uh, he's walking away now. I think it's a good time. He says now is his wife's time to shine, and he knew he was done. And, you know, if he would have won, obviously he would have been champ and he would have advanced, but there's just no sense. And, I mean, this Grand Prix has to play out. And Benson just isn't in the fold. And so now at this point, I guess he's just out there cashing checks, which he guess what? He can do somewhere else if he really gets the itch in a year or so. But uh, for now, you could tell he was just kind of done. And it's a great career. You know, I tweeted or Junkie made a post on social media. And I just said, you know, hey, congrats, OG. You know, and um, one of the best lightweights to ever do it. You should have seen I got a little bit of resistance. I didn't say he was the greatest lightweight of all time. But look. Benson Henderson has won a WC belt, and he defended it once, a UFC belt, and he defended it three times, and then he's beaten six other guys that held major belts, like Gilbert Melendez, for example, Clay Guida, um, Josh Thompson, I can't remember, uh, you know, guys that held proper belts. Uh, so he's, you know, Patric- Patricio, sorry, Pitbull, another guy, Frankie Edgar. So that and a few other skins on the wall, like Jorge Masvidal at welterweight, uh, Nate Diaz, who was top five champ and, you know, awesome lightweight himself. 
I just thought he's ticked a lot of boxes. He should be proud, and I just don't don't know how that can be disputed. I didn't say he was the greatest. I just said he's one of the best lightweights to ever do it. Yeah, I mean, I can agree with that. The stats don't lie. Yeah. All right, this week is fight week for UFC 286, and Goes and I will be hosting a watch-along. That watch-along is going to start at 9 a.m. on Saturday, Saturday, March 18th. Now, the reason it's starting early is because the fights are coming to you live from London, England. The main event is Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman. Edwards is going to defend his welterweight title that he took off Usman uh, last August in Salt Lake City. And not only that, but this will settle their trilogy because they're 1-1. So tune in for that. You got Rafael Fiziev and Justin Gagey in the co-main event. And again, Goes and I will be with you for four fights on the prelims. Five fights on the main card starting at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. That's when the uh, Ford featured uh, prelims start. And again, the time change, London's eight hours ahead. That's why we're going early. So follow us on social media. I'm at MMA Junkie George. Goes is at the goes. And that's on Twitter and Instagram. And you'll see us kind of posting a lot of stuff with that reminder of the different start time. So uh, you'll see a lot of that this week. We'll have great coverage for that card. I believe it is Mike Bond. Right, goes heading to London. Do you know who's heading to London? I'm or not is it sure. Hanun? Fada Hanun and Abby, right? I don't think it's Mike because I think Mike's on spinning back click. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be actually spinning back click is Fada and Danny, myself, and you tomorrow. You can catch spinning back click noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, every Monday live on our YouTube channel. Well, whoever it is, we got you covered out in London. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a really, really fun card, title fight and all, and a title contender fight as well. And Vittori versus Delice, that's a really, really good fight. So I'm really, really pumped up for that card. Um, And lastly, again, thanks as always for your support of the show. Uh, I felt like there was one last thing I was going to say, and I can't think of it, but we're going to exit. Thanks to Marlon Marias for his time. And we got a lot of fun interviews lined up for this week. So we will see you all uh, on Thursday's show. Thank you for tuning in. Go out and be a champion.